What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. I commend you if you are locked on to this podcast right now, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening, wherever you downloaded this podcast, because that means you love football. This is all about the XFL, and if you love football, I love you because football is awesome, and I'm really, I'm actually enjoying what I'm getting out of the XFL. I'm enjoying the play. I know it's not NFL play, but I think it's fun, and I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's exciting. And obviously, you agree with me because you're listening and you're watching. So thank you for it. I'm Dave Richard. I'm joined by R.J. White, who's the Sportsline Football Gambling Analyst. What a hell of a title, R.J. <laughs> and what a hell of a run you're on with the XFL. There have been 12 XFL games. You have predicted 11 of them correctly against the spread. So kudos to you. I bow to you, and I'm going to give you my bank account. You go ahead and you tell me where I should put the money this week. Thank you for that. We're also joined by Ben Gretsch. Ben, it's exciting to have you on to talk a little XFL action. And the focus is going to be on DFS and DraftKings and, and what you can do with your XFL lineup. So I figure what's what the best way to start. Actually, instead of just going right to the slate, was there an under-the-radar player from week three that impressed you, gentlemen? Ben, was there somebody that that caught your eye? I'll take Martez Carter in L.A. on the, on the Sunday afternoon or, or evening game. He was... Not just, you know, a three-touchdown score, but he looked really explosive, very athletic. He's doing backflips in the end zone. <laughs> um, their, their running back up to this point has been Elijah Hood. He missed week three. He might be back in week four or, you know, down the road at least. And we're not clear if Martez Carter will be the lead back the rest of the way. But he got an opportunity, and he really played well in a way that Elijah Hood hasn't yet this season. So I, I'm really hoping that he continues to get opportunities. RJ. Sleeper from from week three of that. Yeah, not a sleeper that I'm using this week, but I like Luis Perez. Uh, I was kind of talking him up when it came to AAF, and uh, he did not play well, but I thought it was hamstrung by that Birmingham offense around him. They kind of just forced-fed Trent Richardson in that league. Uh, he saw limited playing time last week. He went four for five, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, very productive in college. I feel like he could shine on the right offense, kind of like Jordan Te'amu. Uh, Jordan Te'amu wasn't a huge prospect coming out, kind of overlooked. I thought he had some good tools, but uh, you know the mental processing wasn't there to play in the NFL. You get him down in this league, you kind of make it a little easier for him, lean on the run and let him do his thing, and he's blowing up. So I think if Perez clicks in this offense, 
he could be that kind of player moving forward, but we'll see if he gets that opportunity. I'll go in a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to say the LA Wildcats defense. I like the way that they played against DC. That was an undefeated team that came into their building and they made Cardale Jones look like Cardale Jones. I mean, he was really, really terrible. Uh, they've got some big defensive linemen. Their their secondary had some really good play. So that sneak preview, spoiler alert, whatever, they're going to be my pick for to be my defense this week. I, and they're not the most expensive one. And they're taking on the New York Guardians. And that's a nice segue to get into the slate for week number four. The Wildcats are at the New York Guardians. Uh, they are seven-point favorites. The total for that game is 39 and a half. So I think that that's going to be kind of an interesting game to see if L.A., which took advantage of a team that went across the country last week, now they're the ones that have to go across the country, and they're taking on a New York team that I think is probably very desperate for a win. The Dragons are also making a long trip. They're going to take on Tiamu and the Battle Hawks in St. Louis. The Battle Hawks are 12-point favorites. The total in that game is 38.5. So I would imagine that there's not much faith in the Seattle Dragons getting a lot of points in that game. Maybe does that mean you stay away from Seattle Dragons in your DFS lineup, RJ? Um, it could mean it. Uh, I, I think the total is a little... It, Based on the way the total is and the way the line is, line's 12 in that game. It's uh, weird, right? Yeah. I think Seattle has a pretty good shot of covering that. You know, I know that they're the, un- they're the underdogs coming in St. Louis has looked so good. Se- uh, St. Louis is kind of playing to their ceiling at this point. And when you have a total that low, you know, combine it with that spread, the projected number for Seattle is only like 13 points. I think they can get to that. You know, the offense hasn't been completely stuck in the mud. I do have a running back sleeper in that game that we'll get to a little bit later on. But those are the two Saturday games between the Wildcats and Guardians, the Dragons and Battlehawks. And then on Sunday... The late game is going to be D.C. at Tampa Bay. D.C. is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Actually, I, I'm seeing two-and-a-half. What are you seeing? They, are you they, seeing that? they moved two-and-a-half today. Yeah. Sorry, so they're at two-and-a-half. Forty-four-and-a-half is the total. I don't know if that number is still the same or not. I think it's about the same. You would correct me if it wasn't. So uh, D.C. is still a favorite against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is winless. They look like they're starting to get better on offense, but we'll see. And then the game of the week is happening in, in Texas. Houston at Dallas. The Roughnecks are a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Renegades. The total is 50 and a half should be a fun game between two teams that I think have been playing really, really well. I'm looking forward to that one. RJ, do you have a best bet? Are you ready to release your <laughs> five-star guaranteed lock of the week for, no, for week four of the yeah, XFL? Nothing's guaranteed, obviously, but my best play right now is DC. Um, I, obviously, I would like to get it a little you know, lower if you're listening to this right now and it's two and a half. I still think it's fine there. There were big favorites in that game over LA, who's big favorites now over New York, and the gap between New York and Tampa isn't that big. So this line really doesn't make that much sense to me. Tampa had the worst defense in the league in yards per play. I expect that DC offense to rebound on a shorter road trip going DC to Tampa is nothing like going from DC to LA. So, And then if this Tampa offense is playing at its ceiling, this is a close game that DC can still win. So even if you're getting the best of Tampa, DC could still pull it out. If you're not getting the best of Tampa, it could be a bloodbath. So kind of the you line up the scenarios. I think the probability is that DC is going to cover this, you know, relatively easy. But at worst case, maybe they fight for it and still get the win. I like it. All right, good bet, good one for us to go with, and we can just put whatever we're going to spend on DFS on DC as well, and then we're covered if we don't do well with our DFS lineups. But when when you're doing an XFL DFS lineup. Makes sense to start with the quarterback. The position's very expensive. P.J. Walker is, to me, he's like the Lamar Jackson of the XFL. You almost want to just put him in your lineup, cost be damned, and you and you go about the rest of your team as you can. He's the most expensive quarterback on the slate at 12000 Josh Johnson right behind him at 10.2. Cardell Jones, 9.9. Landry Jones, 9.8. Jordan Tiamu, 9.5. 
Ben, do you have a favorite quarterback of this group? Are you like me? Are you just going to sink you know, the big bucks into Walker and deal with the rest of your lineup? Or is there somebody that you like better? I'll definitely definitely play Walker in cash lineups. I, I think you can mix in a, all of them in, in tournaments. Tam is the one that I probably won't have a lot of. He, his average throw depth has been really low. And as RJ mentioned, very run-heavy offense. Um, and looks like a game that, that St. Louis should control on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what we saw last week, and he just wasn't very productive. Uh, I think Cardell and Landry Jones are both potential bounce-back candidates, or, or Landry hasn't necessarily been bad, but uh, is in a, in a game that could potentially shoot out a little bit, and he could see his best passing numbers of the year. Um, and Josh Johnson obviously just, just crushed last week and is going to be a popular name. So Walker and Johnson are kind of the top guys for me, and then and Cardell and Landry are guys I'll, I'll mix in. I don't mind the Jones call. I do think Jones can have a decent – he's going to have some turnovers along the way. That's just the way that he is. But Houston's allowed a bunch of touchdowns this year, haven't they? They lead the XFL in touchdowns allowed yep. with nine. And and I could see Landry Jones at 9,800 being a nice pivot from P.J. Walker. Not going to run like P.J. Walker, but still, you'll save 2.2 on your salary. So if you really need that money to spend up at wide receivers and flexes – you could do it with with Landry Jones. Do you have a favorite quarterback this week, RJ? Well, what you just said is exactly what I I did. I like Landry Jones. Okay. 9,800. Two excellent offensive performances on the road. Now gets to play at home for the first time. Uh, that Dallas offense attempts the most passes per game, but still ranks second in completion percentage. So not only is he throwing a lot, he's he's completing those passes. So you're going to get a lot of a nice little base level floor of production for for him. And you mentioned the Houston defense. They have the best defense in terms of yards per play and yards per pass attempt, but they also have the most plays runs against them by far because teams got to keep going and keep going and the yeah. Houston gets a little quick strike so you get a lot of plays on on the the uh the other side so I think that's also a good uh floor for Landry he's gonna have a lot of production a lot of attempts to score points and he only ranks fourth in price but the numbers say with that volume that's gonna give you some pretty good value may I offer a sleeper quarterback to the two of you Luis Perez if he ends up being the starter for the Guardians against LA who's traveling across the country at 7100 I don't. I can't say with certainty a that he'll be the starter, but we know Matt McGloin didn't practice on Tuesday. He's got the rib injury. We also we we know that the LA defense. I already said they're going to be my defense this week, but they are going to be tough. And we don't know if Luis Perez is going to play the whole game. But if it just turns out that McGloin's not going to play, could Perez at seventy one hundred be worth the risk in a tournament to start this week? And then you can just pretty much pick whoever else you want for the rest of your lineup. Yeah, I think it's good. If you want to load up at those other positions, um, if he is going to be the starter, you got to think that you're going to get a nice little base level of of value there that and you're saving what five grand off of PJ Walker. So so that's pretty good, pretty good uh strategy, I think, to me. And last thing on the quarterbacks and then we'll move on to running backs. Ben, Josh Johnson at ten point two. It's it's a high price to pay. He's not going to have Nelson Spruce. He's been ruled out. Uh Trey McBride had a huge game last week. He was limited in practice earlier this week. It might make some interesting sleepers at wide receiver in Jordan Smallwood, Adonis Jennings, but does it hurt the potential for Josh Johnson to come through on that value to get you 30 points on DraftKings? Yeah, certainly not having Spruce is not is not great, but the, he's basically the opposite of Tamu in terms of average throw depth. He has been pushing the ball down the field a ton. In the last two weeks that he's played, he has three long touchdown passes that were all caught either in the end zone or right at the end zone, two to McBride last week, one to Spruce the week before. Um, he, he's, he's airing the ball out, and, and that always gives you a little bit more passing upside. We haven't even really seen him use his legs yet. I mean, he has like fewer than 10 rushing yards both games. There's always that potential that he hits on 30, 40, 50 rushing yards and maybe rushes for a TD as well. He's a very athletic player, and we've seen him do that at the NFL level. So 
I, I still think his upside is very high when you get that combination of running ability and pushing it down the field. It's very similar to what P.J. Walker brings. Top six running backs in price this week. It's the same group as it was last week. And I know that you guys really liked Lance Dunbar last week. He he was pretty good. James Butler is going to be at the top at 7,500. I'm sorry. Cameron Payne is at the top. He's at 8,000. Butler, 7,500. Matt Jones is at 7,100. We'll get to him in a second. Lance Dunbar, 67. Uh, Donnell Pumphrey, 6.5. Jarrell Presley, 6.3. Do you have a favorite cheap running back this week, RJ? Yeah, if you're talking cheap running backs, I kind of like Keith Ford uh, out of St. Louis. He's at $4,000. Had 26 yards and a touchdown on four carries in week one, then missed them the last two weeks with a knee issue. He's healthy now. Uh, Matt Jones might not be healthy. He's dealing with his own knee issue. I think he missed practice at the start of the week. Tuesday and Wednesday he was out. And St. Louis runs way more than any team. 40.7 carries per game. Next closest is 33 carries per game. So if Jones is out, Ford's going to be the number two running back. He's going to get the volume. I expect double-digit carries there, a nice return on investment at four grand. Great mind think alike this was the sleeper running back that i was talking about love having keith ford in the lineup at four thousand. it gives you more flexibility to spend everywhere else and if there's no matt jones and you just got to keep an eye on his status on friday or on thursday rather because the team is going to be getting ready for the game on friday maybe something comes out then who knows but chris and michael's the only guy in front of him and chris and michael really just has not played that great so far so so i'm with you on keith ford i think that that's an excellent sleeper this week but talking about the top six running backs, the guys that we talked about, uh, Cameron Ars painted 8,000. Do, do you like his potential, Ben? Do you think that he could be worth that price in what should be a high-scoring game? Yeah, it's tough with the running back production we've seen to envision paying up this high at running back now that pricing has gotten a lot tougher and there's not really any clear values across the board. You really would like to pay down at running back, and I, I love the call to keep forward if um, if Matt Jones is indeed out. But the, the other issue is if, if Matt Jones isn't out, there's not a lot of great running back value, so you're almost kind of punting it and just hoping for six to eight points if you go really cheap. Um, so yeah, if, if you are going to pay up, I think Cameron Artis Payne and, um, his teammate Lance Dunbar are both very good values where they're at because they're both guys that, um, they're both playing with Dallas. Dallas has thrown four, uh, their running backs have 40 receptions on the season. It's way, way higher than any other team. Seattle is second with only 15, like way, like not even close. Right. So Dallas is throwing the ball a ton. They're throwing to their running backs. Those PPR points are really valuable. Both these guys are involved in the passing game, and I, I think they give you the best floor, both of them, better floor than any other running back in the league. Do I have it right that New York is allowing the most rushing yards per game at 138? Uh, maybe. I have not. <laughs> I don't have the, the spreadsheet. Okay. All right. I, I do, and that's what I think I'm seeing. I think I'm reading it the right way. And so if that's the case, then you might want to consider one of L.A.'s running backs. And Martez Carter had a great game last week. He didn't practice with an ankle on Tuesday we are waiting to get his status for the game. He's at 5,200. He wouldn't be bad. Larry Rose, another running back there. He's also hurt. And you mentioned Elijah Hood. He didn't play last week. It seems like he's healthy now. Could that be a direction at 5,500 that ends up being great for DFS managers? Uh, it's possible. Uh, that's going to be a low-scoring game, so maybe there is a lot more focus on the run. Uh, with that total, I think we said it was at 38. So maybe that's the plan, just kind of run it and uh, hope to get out of there with a win because you don't expect New York to be competitive. Um, so, you know, that could be a strategy that works. You just kind of have to watch the injury report and see what's going on. Let's move to wide receivers. Cam Phillips is at 11.7, almost as much as P.J. Walker. Huge price tag on him, but he's been 
outstanding. Like as great as PJ Walker's been and, and the opportunity could be there for him to eventually get a job in the NFL. Same thing for Cam Phillips. He leads the XFL in receiving yards. He's got 324. He leads them in receiving touchdowns. He's got seven touchdowns in three games. It's insane. So that's why his price is so out of control. Uh, he's going to be the top receiver on the board in, in, in price, obviously. Donald Parham behind him, the tight end, is at 9.9. DeMorne Ailes, Pearson L is at 9.5. Eli Rogers, 9.2. Khalil Lewis, 8.9. Rashad Ross, 8.7. Ben, do you have an ex- a favorite expensive wide receiver this week? Yeah, it has to be Phillips. I mean, he's been just so good. And you're right. His price is incredibly high, but I still think, you know, especially in this matchup where Houston and Dallas are both going to be throwing, I expect this to be high scoring. You talked about the over-under being 50 and a couple of the other games are a lot lower. Um, It's really, and and with Nelson Spruce out on top of it, it's really hard to get away from Phillips. But if there are other guys that I'm looking at, Donald Parham's a big one. And and then Rashad Ross is a guy that I still expect to have a big game eventually. His snaps and, and routes per drop back finally rose last week and got closer to full time they were lower in weeks one and two he was an off uh, a january trade acquisition but he's now playing pretty much close to full time the problem is the dc offense was so bad no one was productive but i think rashad ross is eventually going to be one of the top three or top five receivers in this league yeah uh, i'm just paying up for phillips at this point uh, you yeah know, you just do it uh dallas has a solid d overall but they're middle in the pack in terms of yards per attempt they also have the worst defense on third down so that, you know houston should be able to stay on the field uh that number one ranking that dallas has in points a lot i think is a little fortunate and it's going to come down eventually probably when they play houston um if there's another guy i'm looking at trey mcbride uh 8100 he had a huge game in his debut last week six catches 100 something yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. and then spruce is out so somebody's got to get the targets maybe it's probably going to be mcbride uh and you're getting him at a discount as, as opposed to other number one receivers. I also like Jordan Smallwood, and he began the year as a starter for L.A., and I think that if with Spruce being out, he's going to have a chance to get some decent playing time. And I'm double-checking his price right now. Do you, I don't know if you guys have it in front of you because it's going to take me a second. Is it 67? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, it's a little bit more expensive for a guy who hasn't quite been – you know, he, he hasn't been as explosive as a lot of other receivers in the XFL. He had, he had a good – he had a touchdown – and uh, three catches in week one against Houston. And then since then, he's been pretty quiet, but the opportunity will be there for him. So I don't hate Smallwood. I think that he's going to have an opportunity. It's just a matter of whether or not you've got the the cash left over after spending on a quarterback and on Cam Phillips to, to get him on. Houston's allowed the most passing yards per game at 247.3. Um, that, that certainly would favor Parham as, as being an option. Um, any other receivers that have caught your eye, RJ, on Dallas that you might want to try and take advantage of? Yeah, I like Flynn Eagle. Um, you know, he's somewhat off the radar, but he had six targets and double-digit fantasy points in two of his three games so far. So with Parham a little dinged up due to a hand issue, I don't think it's going to keep Parham out the game. Uh, but there's still potential that Nagel's targets increase. And like we said earlier, there should be a lot of volume in that offense playing against Houston. So uh, the targets will be spread, you know, are going to go around and, and kind of raise all the ships at that point. So Eagle from six targets to eight or nine targets, I think he's going to get you a great value at $4,800. Any other under-the-radar receivers that you guys like? RJ, do you have do you have any other ones that maybe... Um, yeah, that was kind of the one, but uh, Tanner Gentry for the Guardians mm-hmm. um, didn't hasn't played. He's been on IR. He was supposed to be, I think, the number three receiver in that offense coming coming into the year, but he was placed on IR. D'Angelo Yancey was also supposed to be a starter placed on IR, and that's part of the reason why that, that passing offense has struggled. Well, Gentry came off IR this week. He came off on Wednesday, uh, so we'll see how much he practices, how much he's in the game plan, but you're getting him at 3,000, you know, bargain basement level, right. um, and he's 
supposed to be a notable part of the offense. So if he comes in and he kind of clicks right away, he's going to pay off big on that 3,000. And he's a lot like a lot of the other receivers who um, are in the XFL. They bounced around the NFL for a while, and they just they never made it. They never were able to really stick with an NFL team. Gentry was in training camp after training camp after training camp. So I actually like that call a lot. I was going to ask you about Austin Duke as a potential sleeper. And the, the interesting thing about Duke is that his product, he had six targets. Mm-hmm. His production came five, five of his with six. With Perez, right? Yeah. Well, no, five of the six came with uh, Williams and then, oh, okay. and then his touchdown came with Perez. So he got no looks from McGloin and he got, you know, significant look from Williams and then he caught his touchdown from Perez. So if McGloin's not starting in that game, that's a guy who could emerge because he's caught the eye of these other guys. He had well, one target I, in his first two games as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of that was he, he wasn't really playing. In, in the first half of the game. And if you go look at the snap shares and the route shares, he's a lot lower for how productive he was, Austin Duke from New York. He was very clearly their fourth used receiver. I like him. I actually played him in a few leagues last week uh, and, and and was pretty excited about how he produced. But he didn't really even play a lot of snaps until those other quarterbacks were out there. Um, the guy I was going to name for uh, an under-the-radar receiver would be T.O. Redding, who's, whose role has continued to increase for New York. And they also have Colby Pearson and, and Mikel McKay, who those were the top three receivers for them pretty clearly from a, a snaps and routes per, uh, basis. And if New York does get things going, uh, passing the ball on DraftKings, Teal Redding still the minimum price at 3000 So he's he would be uh, a good, I think, cost-saving option as well. What about Sam Mobley at 3.4? Um, doesn't have a ton of targets, but he's given you at least nine DK points, two of his last three games. He had four targets last week, caught two of them for for 41 yards. Um, I believe he had a conversion as well. I scored in week one. Is he someone that could end up being decent? Could he be a a flyer there? Or is he not playing quite enough for your your liking? No, his role expanded last week. So 28% routes per drop back in week one, 15% in week two, jumped all the way to 49% last week. And Sammy Coates played a a season low at 54%. So Mobley basically played half of the snaps on the outside uh, where Coates has been playing. They're, They're kind of moving away from Coates, who has not been good and meanwhile, Nick Hawley, Cam Phillips, and Khalil Lewis all played or all ran routes on 95% or more of the dropbacks. So their other three main receivers are all out there a ton, but Coates is really losing playing time, and it's Mobley who's picking that outside uh, receiver work up. Coates looks exactly like the same guy that he was in the NFL, and it's too bad because he looks like he could be a dominant receiver, and he just has a hard time catching the football. So that's a problem. Are there any other receivers that we should talk about? Pearsonell with St. Louis, uh, Eli Rogers with DC. Are these good? Are these good options to spend up for, or do you think that they just are just kind of okay? And, and maybe it's better to just get Cam Phillips in your lineup and then go cheap everywhere else. I just don't think there's that much value present there because the price tag is so high. So if they go play up to their potential, they're going to give you what their price tag is. So there's not really a lot you're getting to it. I'd better just take Phillips and gamble with some of these other guys. All right, let's get to the defense. You already know who I like. I like the Wildcats at 4,500. The Battlehawks are going to be the top defense this week. They are 5,100. They're taking on the Dragons. Not expected to be a high-scoring game, and they're 12-point favorites. It seems a little weird. 
third, but Seattle definitely has not had a great showing offensively. So St. Louis should be able to put up some good numbers there. The defenders are at 4.7, Roughnecks 4.2, Dragons at 4.0, and then three defenses underneath the 4.0 threshold, the Guardians at 3,800, Vipers 3,600, Renegades 3,000. If you had to take one of those defenses under 4,000, RJ, would it be the Guardians, the Vipers, or the Renegades? It's going to be the Guardians for me. Um, the LA is on that cross-country road trip. It's so difficult. Uh, so they had a great game last week with another team playing cross-country. I don't know that it's going to be there. Uh, this week, the total is low. The number one receiver for LA is out. So kind of you're getting a good setup for New York. And that first game, you'll have to go all the way back to week one. They played really well on defense. They, they did. They only gave up three points, even though their, the yardage was there. So they know how to shut it down in the red zone. Then they go on the road for two weeks and get blasted and everybody you know, thinks of them as the joke of the XFL. When you return home and you're walking on a team across country, you could play a lot better. So this is kind of the, the week that if you want to pl- uh, play down on defense, that's, you go with the Guardians, I think. If for some reason McBride doesn't play, and I think he's questionable as of now, and if Carter doesn't play and Spruce is out, I think you could make the case that the Guardians are actually the best defensive value to go with and not the Wildcats, in my opinion. So that, that that's something to keep an eye on. Those injuries will matter. Um, that would be your favorite defensive pick, RJ? Is the Guardians, um, or do you like one of the expensive ones better? Yeah, if I need to save the money, I'm going to go with that. Uh, the way I have my lineup constructed now, the defenders are my, my favorite pick. Uh, Tampa has the worst sack and interception rates in the league on offense. And in addition to their other woes, you know, we've seen them falling apart. I think Quentin Flowers left the team uh, is what the reports are. You know, he wants to get out of Tampa. So it just seems like nothing's going right there. Murray is back, but he's not. They've already said uh, Cornelius is going to start, according to reports. Yep. So, uh, who, by the way, is cheaper than any New York quarterback this week. Right. So, uh, I just, everything sets up for defenders to have a bounce back week for me. Ben, where are you at with defenses? I think it's a really tough week for defenses. I mean, I think some of the the better defenses are on the road. They're in tough spots. The Battle Hawks are obviously priced up. And the Battle Hawks were great last week as a a big home favorite. But part of that was that, that kick return for a touchdown. They don't actually generate a ton of pressure. They're not like this, you know, I think they're gonna, a lot of people are going to pay up for them. And I just don't know that they're the, this like dominant defense that uh, will pay that off. Now, Seattle is coming to town and Brandon Silvers will throw some some questionable balls. So they might get a few picks. And I, I still think you can use them. They're probably the defense that I'll lean towards the most. But I, I think it's a tough week. I, you know, I was interested in RJ's thoughts on, on the Guardians there. I think you can consider the Vipers after Cardell Jones had a, a really rough game on the in his first road game and, and dc's heading down to tampa i think there's a chance that that you know he could struggle again but i i, I just don't like any of the d's really think, and and so if you if that's the way you feel about the defenses and that there's not one that stands out to you i would argue that it's just worth ponying up for the battle hawks at 5.1 and you just you put them on your in your lineup and you just deal with it because I think that they've got the best opportunity. They've got the easiest matchup. They've allowed 15.3 points per game at home. I think the battle Hawks could potentially be worth the extra money that you'd have to spend. And they'll give they're at least going to give you a fighting chance. There's not as much risk with that defense as there is with some of the other defenses that we've talked about. Let's go to the lineups. Ben Gretsch. I will start with you, your lineup for week four XFL DFS action ASAP. So I, this is more of a tournament lineup. You know, it did, I didn't start with Walker or Josh Johnson, who I mentioned are my top quarterbacks. I started with Cardell Jones and said, okay, he's going to have a bounce back game. And I did it with Rashad Ross. So that's that's my DC stack. Um, and then 
to, to get a little different, I went with Dunbar and Flynn Nagel, who RJ mentioned a little bit ago. I think almost in every lineup you do, you have to have some Dallas pass catchers. I talked about this last week when I thought Reese Horn would be kind of a, a great play uh, for Tampa Bay against Houston. The receivers against Houston all season long have put up points because Houston scores, they score quick. And now that you're playing against Dallas, who has the highest pass rate in the league, it's, it's just an absolute lock that somebody on Dallas is going to have a good enough game and have enough catches uh, to be and, and potentially two players to be worthwhile values. It, it wasn't Horn last week for Tampa Bay. It was Jalen Tolliver who was the underrated guy. So I think you, could, you 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 like looking at Dallas, and I have Dunbar and Nagel, and then I also have Cam Phillips in there. I added T.O. Redding, and I went with the Battlehawks defense. It's a pretty good lineup, R.J. Yeah, I went Dallas heavy. Uh, Landry Jones, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Dunbar, running back. Flynn Nagel. Also, I have it in my flex, so I, I'm I'm lockstep with uh, with Ben there. Uh, receiver Cam Phillips. Just got to go with it. Uh, Trey McBride. As of now, we'll see how the injury report shakes out. Is my other receiver, and then joining Nagel at flex is Tanner Gentry. I mentioned him. Yeah, at three thousand. Three thousand. Throw yeah. him in. You can do a lot more with your lineup with that three thousand dollars price in there. And then the defenders for forty seven hundred as my defense. So I am a sucker and I just want to have PJ Walker in my lineup and I don't want to think about the other quarterbacks. So the first thing I did was I put Walker in my lineup. And then the second thing I did was put Cam Phillips in my lineup. And the third thing I did was put Donald Parham in my lineup. And I knew that I wanted to get as many pieces of that game in Texas as I possibly could. And I knew that I had to go cheap the rest of the way. So this is what I got. And I think it's going to be, I don't know if this is more cash game than tournament, but maybe just uh, it probably is leaning a little bit more toward cash game in my mind. It's not as balanced, but I still think Walker and Cam Phillips, they're going to continue to do their things. I think Parham is going to be a great pass catcher for Dallas in that game. Keith Ford, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast at 4,000. Can't resist that. Uh, I think there's great potential for him against Seattle, especially once the Battlehawks have a lead. They're going to be able to run a bunch on them. Nick Holly is one of my flexes. He just catches the ball of the backfield for New York, or for Houston, rather. Sam Mobley, one of the sleepers that I've got, I think he'll do well. And I've got the Wildcats in there for now. I don't think I'm going to be able to rearrange the lineup to afford the Battlehawks against the Dragons. So if there's a move that I'm going to make, it would be to take the Wildcats out. It depends on the health of their offense and put the Guardians in, and I will take that chance with the Guardians at home against L.A. And if I do that, then I'll have a little bit more money to spend, and I can move up from Nick Holly in one of my flexes. But it's a very much a studs and scrubs type of approach. And, uh, and that's it. That's the XFL for week four, DFS lineups and a little betting on top of it from the, the master of the XFL, RJ White. So thank you for coming and look forward to talking about you being 15-1 oh, with so. your XFL picks for week five when we, uh, when we return next week. And RJ is there. Ben is there. Ben, thank you for your analysis as well. I'm Dave Richard. Appreciate you listening. Good luck in your XFL DFS lineups. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 